Hi, this is James Barclay, and this is the Unprecedented Business Growth Podcast Series. Welcome to the next podcast in our series, Converting Short-Term Growth into Long-Term Growth. We're talking today about catapulting a firm's success, attracting the brightest and best people. Plan to talk here about the movement from short-term success to long-term growth, which doesn't often correlate with a sequential improvement in attracting talent, i.e. if you move from being number 20 to number 12 in your competitive set, in terms of revenues generated in high-growth markets, the knock-on impact on your brand and its appeal to potential employees can be dramatic. Potential growth of a firm and its management clearly on the rise is often given greater credence than actual growth of an established player who moves from number nine to number eight. The brightest and best people either want to work for the market leaders or they're willing to take a risk on a fast riser where there are maybe greater opportunities for equity growth by getting in early and working in a more entrepreneurial environment. The same bias applies in horse racing. The horses run once and one is often overbet compared to the more experienced horse who's run three times but not one despite showing a higher average level of form. We like to bet potential over hard evidence. It feeds into our optimistic mindset. My point here is that there's a point at which a brand gains serious critical mass in a high growth market where they need to invest heavily in attracting the brightest and best people and provide them with the appropriate tools, support, rewards, and monitoring to sustain long-term growth. That window of opportunity can pass the timid brand or overly cautious management or investors by, where more recent competitors appear, smelling an opportunity to eke out an attractive market share. Suddenly, you're no longer one of the Arivas, but a player who has been around for a while, but not climbed to the first grade of competitors. There's a story in today's UK media which talks about Wimbledon and a young talent who is high on the rise. And it was talking about the talent potential of young tennis players and their appeal from a marketing potential. This one individual, a female who's ranked 157th on the world rankings for the world WTA, has performed exponentially better than her ranking has ever allowed. And yet she is suddenly now being fawned upon by various coaches, various marketing people, various sponsorship organizations, and various corporate people looking to have a relationship with her. Yet equally, she plays a girl tomorrow who is currently number 27 in the world ranking list. And if she wins, will move up to be number 18. Now, you would think the latter would be far more in demand than the former. But reading the article today in the Times here in London strongly suggests that's not to be the case. Why? Because all those organizations are betting on potential over actual performance. And they're doing so because they want to be ahead of the curve. If they wanted to be associated with Serena Williams, the number one player in the world, they'd happily go to her. But they'd rather be associated, if they can't be, with someone who has the potential to be a fast riser rather than a middle ground person who is making steady but unspectacular progress. So my lesson from this story is really all about timing, timing, and timing. The very best people are rarely available at the exact point we need them. 
If they are, they're most likely to be drawn to and snapped up by the dominant players in a high-growth market. Number two, priming the supply of talent. Organizations, particularly after a burst of short-term success, move from flying below the radar of their competitors to becoming a visible, albeit largely still mysterious presence. Where have these people come from? Are they serious players? Are they a me too of a, or a game-changing brand? These are the questions the brightest and best people start asking themselves. Capitalizing on their interest is often a lot harder. Here's some essential steps. Number one, you need to run as hard as you can in marketing your business. Yes, you need to ignore that myth that you must learn to walk before you run. That's an excuse proffered by the timid. Your leaders need to be visible in the places the brightest and best people hang out. They need to see your presence in materials that they read. They need to see you taking leadership positions in professional bodies. And they need to see you as an object of interest and crucially a center of expertise in your field. Number two, you need to be ready for short-term success and have the ability to convert that into long-term growth. You must create positions, if positions don't exist to date, within your organization, with the future in mind, and with the addition of these superstars. You need to provide them with the right support and the right tools to achieve their potential. You cannot, I repeat, cannot, wait to be successful and then give thought to this subject. The opportunity will pass you by in a very quick period of time. Number three, you need to think about hiring as the momentum that drives the implementation of your strategy and your long-term growth. How can you constantly leverage your business success into brighter and better people, who in turn act as avatars of improved standards of performance that create success, which provides the means to acquire yet more talented people? Think of that sequence and that movement and momentum that you can build. So far, we've talked about the importance of timing and priming the supply of talent. Here's one other key performance indicator. The leader of your high-growth market business needs to excel at spotting unknown issues that lie ahead for firms operating in the marketplace. Can that person visibly see any of the following happening? Companies with talented people making assumptions that are visibly not working and which in a very brief period of time may allow great talent to suddenly be available when previously it wasn't. Can you spot unrelated difficulties impacting your competitors' best people, whether it be a regional consolidation, a loss of a key supplier? Can you see a dislocation in industries outside your sector that potentially bring the brightest and best people on the market? A sale of a competitor's business or a transition with a potential for leadership fallout? These are perfect opportunities for finding the brightest and best people and taking advantage of someone else's shortcomings. And finally, a desired change in personal circumstances. We all go through times in our own careers, the very best and the brightest of people have the same challenges, where perhaps a career change is required in order to support in regards to females potentially having children or looking to change their working hours. Within these areas lie the opportunity for serendipitous hirings. Right place, right time. My final thought is to ask yourself this key question. To whom is my organization most attractive to today? And is that the people we need to be successful in the future?
Work out where the differences lie between those two answers, and there lies the success in attracting the brightest and best people to your organization. This has been Unprecedented Business Growth with me, James Barclay. Thank you.